Is there a drill rap scene in LA? Not at all. Not at all? Nowhere close. I didn't think so. And the reason why I didn't think so, let me know if I'm spot on with my theory. Yeah. It's too it's too sunny for that shit. It's, it's, it's beautiful in LA. Like, you don't, yeah. don't want to have on a shiesty and fucking get sturdy in LA. You want to eat a taco and hang out. Yeah. You want to have your slides on, slides on white socks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I always joke and say that LA rap was insane in the 90s because it would be a whole verse about like, about gang banging and shooting and riding on people, but then you hear a saxophone solo. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's the Almanac of Rap Show. I got opinions and they all factual. No news, just information that you won't be able to use unless you're at a dinner party trying to impress who's in attendance with endless tidbits of nonsense. We're gonna have a good time, I promise. You two rabbit holes ready Dives, pulling out old interviews from the archives. Styles, fads, trends, all of that. Welcome to the Almanac of Rap, a show that doesn't take requests. That was a joke for all the DJs out there. My name is Don Will, and I'm your host for the series. On today's episode, I'll be talking to DJ Artistic about his journey as a DJ, pockets of LA hip-hop, and a few fantasy DJ matchups. Artistic is an LA native who has DJed events for everyone from Stevie Wonder to Issa Rae. I'll have a link to his information in the show notes, along with a few of the songs and videos that we referenced in the episode. All right, let's get to it. Sorry, Jane. Sorry, Jane. Nigga, what? Give a fuck, nigga, what? Artistic, man, what's good? Not much, man. How's everything going with you, though? Listen, man, I'm out here in New York, you know what I'm saying? Trying to beat the heat, if you will, you know? Sound like you and I do the right thing or something. <laughs> exactly. That's what, that's what it sounded like. Yeah. I'm delivering pizzas after this, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's what it sounded like. <laughs> but yo, man, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, some DJ stuff, DJ-related topics, and also LA-related stuff. Gotcha. Okay, I'll come down for that. Your bio says you got your start DJing at FAMU. Yeah, yeah. That's a historically black college for all my white listeners, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but tell me yeah. about what led your interest to even starting DJing, like your path to DJing. So for me, um, the the overall backstory is that my dad's a drummer, my mom's, uh, she was um, in the choir, but also majored in music. So I was always around music. Um, my dad was friends with George Duke and Patrice Russian and even though she would eat those types back in the day. So I'll be at the studio with a lot of them. Um, and Dugu Chancellor, I was one of his best friends, so he'd be at his house every weekend. So I was always around music, and they had me taking piano lessons when I was a kid. So I learned the drums a little bit, but more so piano, and then I was producing. So I was rapping and producing as a kid, I would say, all the way up until until around like high school, I stopped rapping and focused on production. So... Yeah, real quick, I don't mean to interrupt you. I just I gotta ask this before I forget. Yeah. What was your rap name? <laughs> so to, to show my age, my first rap name was RMC, because my real name is Ron. <laughs> so it was like we got DMC, I'm RMC. Hey, as an old nigga myself, I fuck with that. I like that name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was my name when I was like what eight, nine years old. And then I changed it to DJ Flow, even though I wasn't even DJing yet. It was just I had DJ in front of it. A little bit of prediction of the future. Yeah, basically, yeah, that's what it was. I became um, artistic sometime in high school, and I can't even remember how I came up with the name. I know I wanted something with an R in it, but I can't tell you how I came up with that that name, but I became artistic around high school. So you were a producer for The Game and his company, uh, the Black Wall Street Company? Yeah, yeah. So when The Game first came out, he was with G-Unit, but he had his own thing, too, called uh, Black Wall Street. So I was one of the producers for that back when they first started up. 
uh, back around 2004-2005. Black Wall Street, and it's going down. We smashing your whack ass oh, labels. Wait. Be dog yeah. best. This for them dog boys. This for them dog boys. Hop in the truck, jump, jump in the truck, boys. This for them dog boys. For them, for them dog boys. Welcome to my hood. Okay, so you're in college and you're doing all this stuff. You're producing. You're a retired rapper at this point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> retired, yeah. What was the moment where you looked at turntables like, I'm going to give those a shot? I was really just doing like house parties at FAMU just for the LA and the, the Bay people just because it was what we were into. But the more and more I would do these house parties for, uh, for the West Coast, everybody else would come. And there would be girls coming from Texas and New Orleans and especially from Florida itself, from New York. And... Usually the out-of-state people were always cool. They understood, all right, like we out of state too. We understand that y'all have your own culture. But the people who are from Florida were the ones who were the most harsh because they would come <laughs> and they'd be mad. Like, you ain't playing no plies. You ain't playing no yeah. Tapatoni. You ain't playing no Kaya, no DSD. Then I'm like, all right, just to keep them here, I'll play some of that music. And I'll play some. Then the West Coast folks would come back on me like, why are you playing that music? This ain't their party. They can hear their stuff at the club. So it was just tricky those first couple parties when everybody started coming. But after a while, I found the balance. And even with that, I wasn't really DJing, DJing yet. I was going off of a playlist. I was going off of like a, got you, got a, you. a PC playlist. So I didn't really get turntables until summertime 07. So that's when I was trying to figure out what was what. Because the first thing I got was speakers and a mixer. And I just yeah. had the, the laptop. Each time I got whatever it was, that was all the money I had. So I just started hustling and making, making money. Just from as soon as I got turntables, people kind of respected me as an actual DJ at that point. DJ artistic, boy. Yo, you DJ, you 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 you, make, you must make the crowd riot when you DJ, huh? That's, that's my only aim, you know. Man, Especially if it's a party, whether it's a concert, whatever it is, let's try to go all the way in, you know. Like as a California native, going to Florida, learning the regional songs and the music that Floridians and Black culture love in that area. Yeah, that probably was like a crash course every time you got up to DJ. You know what I'm saying? The thing is, like, I realize that every single city that has a music culture is the same. It's where they have the. The songs that became mainstream, but then you have the songs that only the locals know. Like, yeah. I still learn those because even though I was watching the DJ Monte uh, tribute video that was like an old camp thing from Atlanta, like just last week. And it was four songs from Atlanta, early 2000s. I'd never heard before, like the original Walk It. And the same for even like St. Louis. I did a St. Louis wagon last year. And of course, we all knew Nelly and Chingy and Jaquan, but they were giving me these songs I had never heard before from that same exact era. If you go do a guest set in, in St. Louis and play that, they're like, oh, this nigga's official. Exactly, exactly. Like, you know what I'm saying? Versus he's dope. They're like, oh, this nigga's different. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so speaking of regional music, an artist that I found out about a couple years back is Channel Trey. And oh yeah, yeah, he's a dude that he hits this kind of house pocket. Yeah, that in my mind, I always thought about LA being like electronic dance and not like house. I get you, I get you. Yeah, is there a house scene in LA? Which I'm sure there is, but like I feel like if there is, I don't really hear about it. So like seeing Channel Trey come out was just like, what the fuck? He's from LA. Like, yeah. what's the house scene like out there? I always joke and call him uh, call it G House or Gangsta House because it has <laughs> it still has an LA feel to it. The baseline on yeah, sexy yeah. black Timberlake still feels LA. He has a little like yep. mood synth that comes in, so it's like did it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can I take a ride with you? Which is that crazy? Baby, try to get my 
Yeah, that G-House, that's a good term yeah, for it. it has that feel. So the thing about L.A. historically is that, so the house that he makes, to me, has more in common with, like, the Chicago Midwest house. So L.A. in the 80s, uh, people don't realize, had a huge electro scene. Electro is what really came directly from, like, African Bambata, from the Planet Rock. From that sound, so... In the mid 80s, you had that. You had like the LA Dream Team. You had the Egyptian Lover. You had the, um, even Ice T when he first came out with Reckless. Like reckless was not like it didn't sound nothing like six in the morning. So back then we did have a strong sound that was like one twenty BPM, and with that the uh, the Mexican crowds loved, of course, the freestyle music is uh, just as much or more. Yeah, they loved the Debbie Dab type stuff, which was also huge probably in Jersey and New York because they had that kind of. A lot of Puerto Ricans were making that type of music. So with that, uh, once you got to like the Chicago house or even like the Show Me Love, Robin S type house in the 90s, the black crowds, from what I know, didn't really rock with it as much Okay, as far as the L.A. native crowd. Now, L.A. has a huge dancer scene, so I feel like the people who moved here or people who are dancing at Soul Train and dancing for artists, they might have been into it a little bit more than uh, what the L.A. natives were into. The 90s, I was too young to go to an actual party, like a club, of course, but even at those house parties... You heard funk a whole lot. You heard a little bit of the soul disco. You might have heard like the Shalimar type, the whispers, but you didn't hear like house house. So it, what uh, Channel Stress is doing, I feel like he's more so like his crowd here is probably more of the non-black crowd or either like the more eclectic selection type crowd that's that's more into that. So like I got you. Man. I wasn't playing for a straight Inglewood Compton native all black crowd, but whenever the crowd's a little bit more eclectic, a little bit uh, more. Even some of the East Coast crowd can kind of get into that a little bit more, I would say. Funny enough, the thing I wrote in my notes was that Channel Trey feels more Chicago, whereas when I think about L.A. electronic dance music, like, I'm going to date myself. But yeah. J.J. Fad is in the mix. Or, like, Dr. Dre's, oh, shit. Like, it's always that dun 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 Yeah, yeah. It was like African Bambada. So I feel like intuitively, like, I knew that's what you were going to say mm. about L.A.'s house scene, but I just needed that confirmation for myself. Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. When I think more about the L.A. dance scene, yeah. two youth cultures, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, that I think of are crumping mm -hmm. and jerking. Yep, exactly, exactly. Because those were like high school kids that brought some shit up, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Are there any other like youth movements happening around dance in L.A. that you know about? So the thing about crumping and jerk, uh, they both have a completely different life cycle. They both had a different sound. So, And they came in a different era. So, so the thing I say about jerking is that it was comparable in a sense to like Jersey Club and to New Orleans Bounce in that a lot of the music that they crump to is basically they speak not regular songs. So they'll take like Whistle While You Twerk and speed it up a whole lot to like from 102 to like a 115, 120 BPM. And they're chopping it up and they're making their own song from it. The music culture for crumping never really 
existed outside of crumping. Like the rappers never got into it. That's the overall point that I'm making is that you never heard Snoop. You never heard. Okay, yeah, yeah. At the same time, because 2001 was one of my favorite years for LA rap. Oh, when we had a lot of LA rap that was going, but it was all basically like G Funk Evolved. It was the Battle Cat era, a lot of uh, DJ Quick. So it was like the Mr. Short Shop. It was like the East Siders. It was all that. But then that, that was a whole different thing from what they was doing crumping to. Now, you would see them crump and clown walk to like a East Siders I Love It. Crumping versus clowning is a, it was a thing, right? That was a thing too. And like to me, the, the visual culture was clown because it was like they had the clown face paint right. and the clown wigs and everything. But the dance culture itself was more on the crump side. But it was like they would do that to some LA stuff. But most of the main crump dance songs were not West Coast music. It was like Timberland Drop, the uh, Fat Man Scoop. Yeah. I know crumping is a LA thing, mm-hmm. but in my mind, I always I always think of crumping a hyphy in the same kind of sphere. For some reason, I know mm-hmm. I know they're not the same, yeah. but like the energy of hyphy, like you know, the, the going dumb shit kind of feels like the energy of crumping a little bit. It's it's totally different, but there would be a little overlap because they they would still crump to like the hyphy stuff versus the going, you know, going dumb and getting hyphy, whatever. You would never see them do that to LA music ever. But then with jerking, that's when the whole world found out that LA had a whole new dance scene. It really only had one strong year. By 2010, Jerkin was damn near dead. But what grew out of that, I predicted that. Like I'll give myself some credit for that. The way I saw it, I was fresh out the South. I got back from Tallahassee from FAMU in 08. Yeah. I saw how every city had their own local youth movement. I saw the crank thing was the biggest thing when I left. You had to crank that. You! <laughs> Miami had all these local dances. The way I saw it is that this current jerking sound is very, very amateur, but it's kids in their rooms making beats on their laptop. I was like, give it some years. This sound is going to evolve into what the new L.A. party sound should sound like. And it did. That's where DJ Mustard came from. Oh, shit. Tiger, YG, Ty Dolla Sign. Even Problem. Problem is one of my favorite motherfucking rappers, man. From barring the fuck out to just singing. Yeah. I got to go for the pun on this one. Problem is a problem. He really is, though. Seriously. <laughs> I was there in that mid-2000 era where LA was just stuck. They called it the New West Movement. It was I remember that. Bishop Lamont, Problem, Bad Luck. You know, even uh, Damani was in that. It was like Envy. Uh, a lot of dope rappers who were all, even Crooked yep. Eye a little bit, they were all great dope rappers. They could just never connect and figure out how to make commercial music that connected that had an L.A. sound. When Jerkin came, I said, this is our sound. It's just not there yet. Let it evolve a little bit. We have a whole new sound. I knew it was going to happen mm. because I was fresh out the South. I saw it happening. So I was telling people, like, let's embrace this sound. And, like, even if, if it sounds amateur, it's like you heard the talent because, for me, still loving even 80s hip-hop, it had a lot of common in common with 80s hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even compared to like the Larry Smith type beats, like a run DMC, like the second MCs type. It was sparse staccato yeah. and kind of based around like sounds and not like samples. There's no samples, it was all drum. Yeah. That serves as a good bed for rappers, to be completely honest. You know what I'm saying? You don't get drowned out by like a, a, a killer bass line. Exactly. Is there a drill rap scene in LA? 
Not at all. Not at all? Nowhere close. I didn't think so. And the reason why I didn't think so, let me know if I'm spot on with my theory. Yeah. It's too it's too sunny for that shit. It's, it's, it's beautiful in LA. Like, you don't, yeah. don't want to have on a shiesty and fucking get sturdy in LA. You want to eat a taco and hang out. Yeah. You want to have your slides on, slides on white socks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I always joke and say that LA rap was insane in the 90s because it would be a whole verse about like, about gang banging and shooting and riding on people, but then you hear a saxophone solo right after that. <laughs> Even our most hood gangster music was still vibey and musical. Yeah. Drill is too dark and slow. Yeah. It's, it just don't work for us. So, yeah. It's like people do like the Pop Smoke Dior. They like some of the music. They get hyped to the finito and those songs, but that tempo is just never going to be for LA. Okay. And I know we talked a little bit about um, – Channel Trey, you jokingly called it um, G House, yeah, G House, yeah. But you know, like when I think about G Funk in general, I always consider artists like Terrace Martin and Thundercat as like yeah. the evolution of G Funk. Like they're adding like pure musicality to it in this way that like yeah. it's instrumentation. You got fucking uh, Michael McDonald on songs. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like it's taking on a whole different shape. So yeah, it's, it's real. Do you see the sound evolving in any other ways? It's in a weird place. So like the biggest example I use this year. Like the song that I just knew was gonna take over LA at least, but if not LA, the whole country was a uh, Glass Ghetto Cinderella. So to me, that's just the perfect evolution of what LA should sound like. So it's a mustard production, but it's it's mustard and Terrace Martin. Mustard, of course, was the king of the whole of that LA ratchet uh, modern sound. Yep. And as you said, Terrace is the king of that kind of modernized G funk jazz sound, and they collaborate. And this song is just so dope to me because like after. The last chorus is this terrorist is getting off playing synths and everything. What's that on that beat? I've been lost in the streets lately, but you know you're the only one for me, baby. And I know your friends say she crazy. Baby, let's just be crazy together. Kept it on in front of Chuck, they can never replace my ghetto Cinderella. Said if you down, then I'm down for whatever. Long as we crazy together. To me, it's amazing, but then it's like at the same time, maybe it's because I'm 30-something and I grew up on G-Funk and was still young enough to appreciate what the, the mustard sound was, so I love it. LA likes it when I play it, but it just never took off like that. I feel like, is it too musical for the young folks, or is it still just like, why did it not hit like that, or is it just radio? The thing about Blast is that he has a vibe. For sure. Like, I don't know what Ghetto Cinderella sounds like. But in my mind, I think I know what it sounds like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. When you hear it, it makes sense because it's a little bit more evolved than most of his uh, regular music because a lot of stuff he produces himself. So this one being Mustard and Terrace. Oh, I didn't know he produced it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Being them two producing it is just a different level of like everything uh, musically. So I feel like that should be where we go. But it's we're in a weird place because like a lot of people do complain that a lot of new rappers do have too much of a Detroit sound. It's kind of a similar sound to that. And overall, a lot of the new LA does sound like that. But... Beyond that, a lot of artists have their own kind of sound and style, but it's it's kind of hard to figure out where it's going to go because it's always like, are we making music for LA or do we want it to blow up nationwide? And mm. even like Dom Candy, like I didn't realize how big he was outside of LA until the last five, six years, but at the same time, he didn't really reach the height that you would have wanted him to reach outside of LA. So I didn't realize it. And even with Nipsey, yeah. it would annoy me because after he died, you see people online who weren't from LA, like, y'all only like Nipsey because he died. The thing is, sadly, it took for him to die for people outside of L.A. to actually recognize that he was dope. Yep. They just kind of wrote him off like he's another L.A. gangster rapper. Whether it's the radio, whether it's just people still being closed off to it, they just didn't gravitate toward it until after he died. So the thing about L.A. overall is that 
it's a place that a lot of folks don't love it until they, they move here mm. or even when they visit and see it in the club. Like a lot of L.A. stuff don't make sense until you're driving on PCH or Crenshaw. A lot of folks first time at an L.A. club with L.A. people, they're like, all right, I get it now. The same in Chicago to me. If you yeah. hear a house <laughs> or, or a juke record, if you hear Get Down on Little Mama or juke that and you have no context behind it, it's just like, this is as fast. What is this? If you see them footwork and do their dances to it, you're like, all right, it makes more sense to you. Yeah. You can't hear Juke for the first time at a bar in Bushwick. <laughs> not at you know all. Not at all. <laughs> Don't hit the same. <laughs> it's not going to fly. So, yeah. Yeah. Get down, little mom. 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 I want to talk about a couple different DJ matchups that have never happened. But for me and you, we got to figure out who would win this battle. All right. The first matchup that I have for you, this is this is these are DJ battles, pure DJs. Okay. So you know, I I want you to grade them on whatever criteria you see fit. I can give you criteria if you need it. But the first matchup is Yeah. Paris Hilton and Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> I'm gonna say Shaq. Obviously, Shaq. Shaq. Paris, so Paris Hilton, I'm gonna put her on blast just because I don't care. Like <laughs> if, if I ever meet her, I will I hope she got better. So my boy did a party with her 10 years ago. It was a Diddy party. It was a BET Awards or something like that. So I was there. I was in the crowd. I was in the booth. So uh, she got on. Right after she got on, maybe a minute later, the sound went out for like five, 10 seconds. So of course, as a DJ, I'm like, what happened? So after her set, I, I went and asked my boy who was DJ. And I'm like, what happened? Uh, why did it cut out? He was like, so as soon as she got on, she put on an auto mix. She had a whole hour pre-mix made. So at some point, she accidentally hit the crossfader. Oh, and the sound went out. So shit. she was like, oh, shit, what happened? What happened? And my boy was like, the crossfader is on the right side. He moved it. Music came back on. Wow. So with that, Shaq. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You said in one of a recent interview that you're one of the top five DJs in the world. And that really upset a lot of people. It they, set off a firestorm totally of criticism. what I said. What did you mean <laughs> They asked me if <laughs> it was a lucrative business. And I answered and said yes, because I'm one of the top five paid, which is true. You know what's funny? Like, funny enough, like, in setting up these matchups, I was like, let me just do a little bit of light reach, because I've seen, I've seen them both, DJ. I, I, like, went and watched their yeah. recent sets. And I was like, I was going to honestly give it to Paris Hilton. In a weird way. And she could have got better. Maybe it's because the auto mix she had queued up that day was fire. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I'm, she, I'm sure she don't have no whack uh, auto mix. And maybe they showed her how to press the button at the right time now. But let's give it a shack. Let's give it a shack. Fuck it. All right. Yeah. The concept of a DJ and an athlete should be the same. This is my concept. When a person pays money to see you perform, give them a good show. Next matchup. Next DJ battle. DJ Academics versus DJ Vlad. Oh God! I never, I never, <laughs> I never actually heard either of them DJs. So. I haven't either, so I don't know what the criteria is. <laughs> okay, all right, there we go. I'm gonna say Vlad because Vlad is a better person than Academics. So Vlad, <laughs> true, wins. true, true. Vlad wins. Actually, but Vlad's a snitch. So damn, they. Uh, I don't know. Listen, listen. <sighs> some of these battles, they it, it could be a wash. It could be a wash. So yeah, it's a wash. Funny yeah. enough, I did find one DJ Academic set online. Okay, how was it? I mean, he knew how to crossfade and like echo a song out okay there was nothing technical about it other than just like and here's the next song let me know if y'all can hear me real good hold up hold up hold up hold up hold up let's party come on i'm getting drunk i'm gonna do some throwbacks i'm just getting warmed up
there were no cue points. It was just like the song coming oh, in. Oh, wow. Yeah. I couldn't find any DJ Vlad spinning. I guess his DJ sets are all like in deposition rooms. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I mean, it's real though. The final DJ set uh, yeah. are two DJs that I'm sure you probably have never heard DJ, but I'll give it to you anyway. Uh-uh. DJ D-Soul, who was uh-uh. Goldman Sachs CEO. He's an he's a, a actual CEO of Goldman Sachs, but he also DJs versus spotify's ai dj whoa this is just based on who you would rather hear dj i'm still gonna go for a live person i'm gonna still go for a live person now i feel like if there gets to a point where in serato which i doubt they do but if they have it where uh somebody they've worked with jazzy jeff or somebody which i doubt he would ever do (laughs) to like curate a software that knows how to incorporate people's requests and make it blend on beating i'm sure that's probably going to happen one day even if it's not them developing it, but even still, like I'm gonna go for a live person any day over over AI for sure. I find that that um, that a lot of um, a lot of the younger people that work at Goldman Sachs want to talk about it, are a little bit interested in it. And the other thing I love is on the handful of times a year I do go out and play publicly. You know, I'm finding that every single time, you know, before I start or when I'm done, there are tens of young people work at Goldman Sachs coming up to me and introducing themselves and saying, hey, I work at Goldman Sachs. I didn't hear D-Soul DJ before, but I did try out the Serato DJ thing just again in preparation. And it's just a random nigga telling you what songs you've listened to. Like every four songs, he'll be like, hey, back in 2013, you really had a run of listening to Tina Marie. So here's five of her songs. Oh, wow. Wow. Like, and and you know, Spotify, they have a crossfader thing now where you can like, blend songs in really yeah they have like this crossfade ai and i don't think it does much for like songs that are like majorly out of tempo it might just be like a backspin yeah. effect echo out into the next track but it was just like your spotify unwrap with a dude telling you what you listen to instead of like you <laughs> doing the thing yourself so i'm gonna be here every day playing those artists you got in rotation going back into your history for songs you used to love and i'm always on the lookout for new stuff too but if you're ever not feeling the music there's going to be a dj button at the bottom of your screen tap that and i'll come back early to switch it up all right enough talk i mentioned rock marciano let's get it going with that and some other music you've been listening to Yo. we're coming to the end of this interview man but i gotta be honest yeah. This whole thing could have been me reading you some of your tweets and like us talking about them. You have one of the best Twitter feeds, like the level of cultural knowledge, musical knowledge, engagement with people over like specific topics. One of the things you posted the other day that had me dying was that Beams software shit. I forgot about that too. <laughs> yeah, so this is Grandmaster Jay. He was the uh, spokesperson for this kind of Beams device. And in the turntablist community, he got called out for, you know, faking the funk. He was uh, acting like he was doing a bunch of uh, DJing and scratching. You know, he was just using an old uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff set and trying to act like he was doing it. So he was fake DJing. I had totally forgot about that. Like, I wish I could have used it to even see what it did at all. <laughs> he was trolling us for real. I remember seeing the name Grandmaster J and I was like... He was being a blatant troll for real. Hip-hop pioneer. I was like, I've yeah. never heard of this nigga. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Nobody had, yeah. The saddest part about his whole story is that he lives right outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, wow. Wow. Is he from there, though? I don't think he's from there. And he's like he lives in a city called Westchester, which isn't Cincinnati proper anyway. So, you know, 
Cincinnati.com has the news about him, though. So, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. <laughs> wow. But, oh, wow. So he, he made your news, though. On that note, man, I think we did it. I've enjoyed this conversation, man. You, I've learned a lot about LA, DJing, and also about subgenres. For sure, for sure. No, I appreciate you for having me. Once again, shout out to the homie DJ Artistic for stopping by. If you want to learn more about him, I've got his website linked in the show notes. And on that note, it's time to roll the credits. The Almanac of Rap is a working creative production. This episode was written and hosted by me, Don Will, with music provided by Von P. of Tanya Morgan. And before we get out of here, for those of you wondering what air quote hip-hop pioneer Grandmaster Jay has been up to since the whole Beams thing, he started a militia and got put in jail. The leader of the No Effing Around Coalition is heading to federal prison for seven years. The sentence for Grandmaster Jay stems from him pointing a rifle at a federal officer. This saga might need to be its own episode. We'll see. And I'll see you next time on the Almanac of Rap. Stay whimsical.